What's up, everybody? Wow. I mean, I'm talking about asleep. This is supposed to be the 11 o'clock crowd. Y'all supposed to be jacked up and excited. So I need to know what's up, everybody. Everybody good? Everybody good? Awesome. I just want to tell y'all uh, how glad I am that you're here in this beautiful weather. For the second consecutive Sunday, we have bright sunshine and 70 degrees on Sunday morning. Just kidding. But we are excited that you're here. And uh, listen, this is the third week of guardrails, but if you haven't been here before, I just want to kind of give you a brief overview of what guardrails is about. It's, it's, it's getting a system in place for our lives so we can live in freedom in Christ and not try to figure out how we do stuff. And so the literal definition of a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas. And when I say guardrails, y'all aren't like, oh, that's what a guardrail is. And when y'all look at those dudes back there, y'all aren't like, I didn't know that was a guardrail, right? Everybody knows what a guardrail is, so no one's like, that's a shock to me. I didn't know what a guardrail was. But for your personal life, for your personal life, it may be different than that. Because, see, so many people think if I do and don't, then I'm okay with God. But that's not a, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience in our lives so that we can live in freedom, so that we can have a great, awesome, better life than you can possibly ask or imagine. And so what we've decided to do was we did an opening week two weeks ago, and last week we did the least, the lost, and the lonely. Why? That's our vision for our church. And why that should be the vision for all of your lives, because that's what God calls to do. And then today, we're going to go through loving, because that's one of our four points in the four points. Loving, growing, serving, uniting. Loving is what we're going to do today. And we believe love may be the most important one, because without love, they cannot build on each other. And the other ones are not really possible for an extended period of time. So, so what's love got to do? Got to do with it. Y'all ready? What's love got to do? No one else can sing it. Is that bad? All right, anyway, so, so, so seriously, you might just say, what does loving people have to do with me living my life in freedom and not getting outside? Because remember, this is what it looks like personally. If I have guardrails up personally and I go outside of the guardrails, I'm choosing to live a life of sin. I want to live a life of freedom. This is not a list of do's and don'ts. And God doesn't hate you or love you more if you do good things and hate you when you do bad things. That's not how God is. He wants you to live freedom. He created you to have an awesome awesome life but it's not prosperity and that's what we're going to talk about in just a second it's not like you get all this great stuff piled on and the best thing ever because here's the deal do you know why most people never get guardrails in their life is because they want to be in control and if you're in control why do you need guardrails right if you're the boss if you're the god if you're the lordship of your life why do you need guardrails in your life because i've got it under control right so when I get out of control, I'll just fix it and everything's good. And that tends to be the problem. Well, love accentuates and accents all of that because it shows so much brighter and so much more full. And so let me just start with this. People do crazy stuff when they love people. People do crazy stuff when they love people. Do you all agree with that? People do crazy stuff when they love people. Like, for instance, I do things now that I promised 10 years ago I was not going to do. For example, uh, I let Laney paint my toenails sometimes, right? I don't like getting my toenails painted. Some of y'all may be like, you look feminine and petite. Really? Right? No, y'all didn't really think that, did you? I, I'm not a girly girl that likes to get his toenails and fingernails painted, but if Laney likes for me to do that, 
Daddy's going to do it. Why? Because I love that girl. And I'm going to hang out with my baby. And on Saturday mornings, we go on date, daddy-daughter date, as many times as I can. I wasn't in town yesterday, so we didn't. But as often as I can, I do. Take her to the mall, go to Chick-fil-A, go right on the little carousel dudes, do the trampoline thing. Whatever she wants to do that day on a limited budget, we do it. Listen, that's not my idea of a fun Saturday morning. If I got to do what I wanted to do, just whatever, I'm probably going to do something that starts with the word golf. And it's probably going to be hitting them, right? Or I'm probably going to be shooting ball or I'm probably going to be doing something else. But I love my baby girl. And I want her to know what it means to have a man in her life that loves her so she doesn't have to go out and try to find a man's love when she's 15. I want her to experience love. And people do crazy stuff when they're in love. Because I'm not into princesses and I'm not into tea, but I love doing that with her. And I have, listen, this is what's crazy. I've really started enjoying it. So, yes. When we have tea time, I enjoy tea time, right? Because it's fun. And the same thing goes for my wife. Because I promise you, when I was 20 years old, chick flicks were not the thing that I loved to do. Some of y'all may not believe that either. But I enjoy chick flicks now. Why? Because Leah loves chick flicks. And people start doing things with people they love because they love them and not because of what it is for me. So if in your life, let me just start here, because if you don't get this, then you won't get the rest of it. If in your life, the only thing you say is, well, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Mark, help me out, right? If it's all about you, I can't help you because you're selfish, right? If it's all about you, we're going to have a tough time with this message. But listen, this is the truth. Probably the thing that I get most frustrated with is when I counsel people And I just look at them both and say, can we just, like, let's just throw the cards on the table and just look at each other and say, it's all about me. And they do it, and it's mind-boggling that people actually say it. It's it's all about me. And at least least we're telling the truth now, because we're not getting very far, but at least we're telling the truth. It's all about me. And so this is what you've got to decide as we look at this. In just a second, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want you to answer this question for yourself. When you do things... When you go through life, have you died to yourself to put God and then people before you? Or is the truth of the matter, it's still about you? Because a lot of times what I found in my life is I do all these things and it's still about me. Watch what this says. It says, um, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so that means I can really speak well, right? But have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. That's big, right? I mean, it doesn't say you just, you're not as important or it's not as good. I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, I'm giving away everything that I have and if, my, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I, I gain nothing. So, so just start with the first three verses. If, if I do all these things, give all these things, am all these things, boom, 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 but I have not loved, or it is not done in love, then it is nothing. It is worthless. And this part is hard for me because I like to pride myself on what I do and not what I am and why I am doing it. I like to tell you that I stand up and preach. I like to tell you that I go on mission trips. I like to tell you that I do all these things. But at the end of the day, I don't want you to see my actions. And listen, obedience 
or actions or, or a kind heart or things like that. That is a direct result of the truth that is in me. So it means if I'm acting like a jerk, the truth is I'm in charge. And if I'm loving people, that means I put God as the boss of my life. And so many times I show a lie in what I say and do. And so I, I do these things. And I feel like 1 Corinthians 13 is describing me so many times. Because love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not proud or, excuse me, arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. I wonder if your spouse or your best friend or if the person you're closest to were to describe the way you love, if they would describe you as that. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. These things that we do and these other prophecies and all these other things, they're going to pass away. But love will not. When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And this is what I really think Paul's saying here. Are are you still, am I still childish in my faith? Right? When people see me, do they see me? Or do they see the reflection of Jesus in me because of the love that I have for him and others? For now we see a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And see, this is really where I think people get turned off by Christians, is we go out and we beat the drum of what you're supposed to do, right? I do it. We beat the drum. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we never love people. I, I gave some of y'all the copy of the book. Um, I didn't give it to y'all. We gave some of y'all the copy of the book, um, Deep and Wide, by Andy Stanley. And um, in that book, he talks about when he was the student pastor for his dad, Charles Stanley. Many of y'all know who he is at First Baptist Atlanta. Um, they, the, the homosexuals had a parade every year right in front of First Baptist Atlanta. And First Baptist Atlanta would boycott the parade every year so they would do church early and they would sneak out the back door so they didn't have to come in contact with them like they had leprosy or something. And it bothered Andy so much as a 30-year-old young man that, that he, he became troubled in his soul because he watched another church giving out waters and loving on them. And he said... Doesn't that say that's what we should do for any group of people, even if we disagree with their lifestyle? So isn't that the opposite of what Jesus and Paul in this case told us to do? Like, isn't that the opposite of what we should do when we see people doing wrong things? And listen, there are things that are wrong. That is not what we're saying. But isn't it really wrong to set up boycotts and think that we're accomplishing anything rather than love on people and show them what we want them to see by loving them. So a lot of y'all have heard of Westboro Baptist, uh, and they do all these boycotts, and they put the nastiest things out there. And um, recently the pastor passed away, and um, so 
a lot of people that don't like what they were doing said, hey, let's go boycott the funeral to boycott what they were doing. And I just thought to myself, and a bunch of us were talking about it, isn't that like doing what they do? Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? But that's how we think, right? You're wrong. I hate you. Some of y'all are Republicans and some of y'all are Democrats. And you look at political and you think, I hate those people because of what they think or because of their political views. And we don't show love to anybody. And listen, I don't care what you are, Republican, Democrat, independent, da-da-da-da, whatever. That doesn't even matter personally to me what you are as far as a ticket. It just matters that you shouldn't hate them because they are that. And that is what we are defined as as far as church people go. Lack of love. Yes, we'll go on mission trips. Yes, Pastor Mark, that's awesome. We will go on mission trips. That's awesome. But as far as genuine, authentic love, that is not how people would describe me so often. And so today's guardrail, it can be simplified in in two simple things. Two simple things as far as love goes. And it's the words of Jesus when the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22, when the Pharisees came up to him and they were like, what are the greatest commandments? Two simple things, love God and love people. Love God and love people. The first one is love God. I want you to see what Matthew chapter 22 says. And I'll listen carefully. I want you to ask yourself, is this me? I don't want you to ask yourself, do I love God here? I want you to honestly evaluate yourself for the next couple minutes. Look, but when the Pharisees heard, excuse me, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, Sadducees were another group of religious people. The Pharisees were smarter. They knew the entire Old Testament that was written up till that time by heart. They had to, to become a Pharisee. They were the best of the best. They were the highest. They were the smartest. And so when they heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them a lawyer, so they were smart because they got the dude that talked for a living and argued for a living to go argue with Jesus, but that's where their smartness ended because they didn't win this one. So the lawyer comes up and asks him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Now wait, the commandments of the law we hear, we're like, there's 10 commandments, right? There's 10 commandments. There were actually, there were actually 600, 613 commandments They had all of them memorized. The lawyer probably knew them better than anybody. There were 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments, and they prided themselves on they kept all the law. They didn't miss any of the law. They knew all the laws. They kept them all, and that was why they were good. So many of you, and me for so long, this is something that I've just figured out. This is why guardrails are so big. It is not a do's and don'ts that makes you a good Christian. If you do good things, you are not good. And if you do bad things, you are not bad. We are all sinners. We are all separated from God because of our sin. Matter of fact, uh, James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point becomes accountable for all of it. So if we do one sin, the wages of my one sin is death is what Romans 6.23 says. And so if we try to do these things, this looks like so many of us, we could be dis- describe ourselves as I am a Pharisee. I was that for so long. It is just recent that I've said, no, this is about God. It's not about Mark. It's God's sovereignty. It's not, my, it's not about me. And so if all you do in your life is say, if I do enough good things, I'll be okay. You don't really love God. You love the thought of what God brings to you. 
because you can get him off your back because he's like Zeus trying to strike you down. No, that's not what God is at all. God is love. He is great. He's amazing. And he wants a relationship with you. But it has to be you putting him as Lord. And so the Pharisees, like many of us, were saying, I know all 613 of these commandments and I keep all of them. I'm a great person, dude. So which one's the most important? And what did he say? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. Now, right off the top, we think, simple enough. I know God. I love God. Check, check the box off, I'm good. And this is where we have a problem. Guys, can I be honest with you? This is where I think the church is failing to be honest with people. This is where I think the church is failing to be honest with people because this is the definition that I wrote down of love based on the original language. And I thought this was really cool because when they heard this, they didn't hear love God because I, like I told the first service, I love pizza. Like I really love pizza. I would not mind going to pizza in right now after the service and having 10 pieces of pizza. Someone say amen to that. If y'all are going to say amen to anything else because I love me some pizza. Let's get crazy. I love pizza. But pizza is not Lord of my life, is it? No. It's just something I love and then I put it down. I love pizza. But not with my whole mind and my whole soul. This is what it literally translates. To love God is not to have good feelings about him. So many of have so many of us, we get a good feeling in our hearts at some point in time. We're like, yes, that's what I want in my life. And it's like Kool-Aid. It's the flavor that I have. You know, in March, the, the, the flavor is citrus cooler. So I'm going to have me some Jesus this month. But, but then when he when it starts, stops being good, and my feelings go away, then it goes away. That's what we do with our marriages. And that's what we do with God. True love involves the will as well as the heart. Where there is love, there will be obedience. That is what the Greek says. There will be obedience. You show your love because it is authentic and it is real. Now look at this. When I'm meeting with the married couples that I love dearly, what I want to say to them, and some of you have heard this, haven't you? It is not how you feel. It is not how you feel. If it's based on how you feel that my marriage stays together, my wife would have divorced me last night when I Dutch ovened her. If y'all don't know what that is, I passed gas and the sheets went over the top and it smelled bad. She would have divorced me last night because it's nasty, right? Y'all do that. So men, y'all need to quit lying because I know y'all do that too because some of y'all have told me. I learned that from y'all. Right? If, if, if it was just like when they wake up in the morning and when you wake up in the morning, your breath smells bad. I smell some of y'all's breath when y'all forget to brush your teeth. It's nasty, right? That's not in love. If I have to have warm fuzzies and that's all that my marriage is about. Like my wife is one of the most even keel people on the planet. Thank God. Because she balances me out. And she gets on my nerves sometimes. Can I be honest? And I get on her nerves most of the time. Right. And so if it's only feeling in love or I don't feel like it anymore. Then it is not a true love. In this, in this kind of love, because it's a commitment, a covenant that I made with her when I stood and held her hands before God and witnesses. And I said, till death does us part. 
in good and bad, in all these things, I'm committed to loving you. And sometimes I don't feel in love when I'm married. Sometimes I don't feel in love. Sometimes you do. Right? For men, when it gets crazy, y'all know what I'm talking about? We feel in love. Women, when your husband cleans the house, y'all feel in love. Sometimes we feel in love. But if it's only when we feel in love, most of us will divorce. Most of us will divorce. And that is why I believe the church has divorced God. That's why I believe the church has divorced God. Because I believe we take God, this is my genie lamp, and we rub it. God, come on out. Whoosh, right? God comes out. All right, God, I got this test coming up, man. It's a big deal. Like, I want to make 100. And I'd really like a new car. You with me, God, so far? Good. Uh, Johnny has a bigger house than me, and that really makes me mad. And I need a bigger house because i got to keep up with Johnny Joneses, right? So, so if you'll just do all these things for me, and we just look at it like if you do good for me, then I'm good with you. And as soon as it's not what I think is good, then I'm not good with you anymore. And it is all based on feeling because we love him like we love pizza because we believe in our hearts that God is God. But we have not placed our trust in him and said, God, I want you to be in control of my life. And until we die to ourselves, we cannot love God like he said to love God. That's why he said it's the greatest commandment. You can do all 613. And if you do not love, what did 1 Corinthians 13 say? You have nothing. So I can do, I can speak prophetic tongues. I can sound like an angel. I can have my body burned. I can do all these other things. And if I have not loved, having full commitment and trusted in, Saying, I don't care if it feels good or feels bad. I'm placing everything in you because I know you're greater. And I, and, I, and I want what you have for my life and not what I'll have for my life. And listen, that is hard because we want to control our lives, don't we? We want to be in charge. We want to be able to fix when stuff is wrong. I'm a fixer. I want to be able to fix it. And because of that, listen carefully. Because of that, that is why I constantly beat the drum that I wonder if the church is truly saved. Remember what I said? If there's true love with the heart and with the soul, with the mind, with our strength, with everything that we are, obedience has to follow, right? Well, when I'm driving down the road, I'm not worried about God. I'm worried about you cut me off and I'm mad. And I don't show love to my neighbors. I don't show love to people. And if I have love for God, I will, number two, show love for my neighbors, for people. If we love God and love people, this world would never be the same. Love God, love people. You're, uh, um, a neighbor, a neighbor is any person that you come in contact with, any person that you come in contact with, regardless of ethnicity, or gender, or anything, regardless of any, any person that you come in contact with on a daily basis or might come and talk at a restaurant, at a gas station that lives beside you, that works beside you, all those people. This is what Jesus said, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor. Love everyone that you come in contact with. Love anybody that you see as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he said, if you love God and love people, and I mean truly love God and love people and not like I love pizza, then all 613 are encapsulated in this and you're good to go. 
If you'll do these two things, if you'll do these two things, it will, it will get you through the rest. Remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. He was the fulfillment of the law because his grace captures us. And this is the question that I had for, for, for all of you. I, I need to just ask you, when people see you, do they think love? When people see you in, in your actions, in your attitude, I don't care how stressful your job is. And I know some of you have very stressful jobs. I care about you. And I'm not wishing that you had a stressful job. I'm just saying even in the worst of times, we can show love to people. Because we have, we have the truth of Jesus inside of us, right? For every person that's a Christian. For every person that's a Christian, we have the truth inside of us. And we must answer the question. Does that even matter to me? This is what just kept coming back to my mind over and over. I always, on Saturday nights, I go through my message over and over to make sure I know it real well. I've, I've written it way in advance, and then I go over it over and over. And I went to sleep good last night, much earlier than normal. And um, I don't remember what time, but I think it was like 2.30 a.m. First John 4.10 just popped in my mind. And I mean, like, it was branded in my mind. This is love. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved me and sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my debt that I owe. The debt that I owe is my life for all of eternity. Because I, I did one sin, like, like James chapter 2, verse 10 said, if I've, if I've committed one sin, then I'm, then I'm guilty for all the law. I owe God everything because I'm guilty. There's a great, a great chasm that is between me and Him because He is holy and I'm not. But this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for my sin and your sin to pay the debt. Now that is love. That is love. And I just wonder how much, how many people in here has it really captured. Because when it really captures us, we follow not just with our minds where we can tell people about it and do good things, but with our hearts and our obedience follows. And we don't do good things so that God doesn't hate us. And we don't do good things and not do bad things, right? So that we're good. We do them because we're free in Jesus and we have life. And we want other people to experience that life. And I just wonder... How many of us is that? Because this is how we answer that. How many of you and how often would I be described as loving? Because that is how we know that we are followers. In this, may all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's the words of Jesus. All men will know that we're his disciples, his followers. If we have loved one another. And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to pay my debts on the cross. You must answer for yourself, friends. You must answer for yourself. Is, G is Jesus' love radiate, radiant off of my life? Do people see love because of Jesus when they see me? Or do they see me and all about me? And until you say... I'm going to die to myself so that you can live inside of me. You will never be that. When the worst of times come, it's no longer a good feeling, is it? It's no longer a good feeling to say, I love God, but 
and it's hard and I don't feel it anymore I'm gone I don't think you can truly have the love of God in your life through Jesus and repent of your sins and trust him as Savior and say with all of who I am I'm going to place my hope in you and make you the Lord of my life I don't think that is possible to walk away from something like that because it is real and authentic. Does it always feel like, listen, do I always feel like excitement? No. I feel sick to my stomach as I'm standing here because there's some news with someone that is extremely close to me this week that is not good. I felt nauseous for a whole week. I want to puke while I'm standing here. I don't feel good this morning. But let me tell you what I do have, and it is real love from God and truth that His good is not necessarily what I think is good. And so even when I'm not feeling it, I know He's got me because He's great. Because He always protects me and always provides for me and always for my people and my family and my church and all of us. And so I just want to ask you, and I want you to be completely honest this morning. that you know that you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life I, I don't care if you stood up in here before or at another church or when you were 8 years old the only thing I care about is that you'll be honest and real enough to say Pastor Mark I'm not sure or Pastor Mark I am absolutely certain that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and what we want to give you is an opportunity right now to say you know what I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life I want to be saved right now I want to be saved right now. And so we just want to give you that opportunity. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Just real quickly, Pastor Mark, I am absolutely certain that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I know that I'm saved based on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me helps me through the worst of times and through the best of times. I have peace. I'm not always in love. I don't always have feel good, but I know that I know that I know that I'm saved because I've repented of my sins and I've trusted Jesus as Savior. If that is you, just please be honest. If that is you, just raise your hand right where you sit. Right where you sit, just raise your hand up. Pastor Mark, I'm sure. Raise him up. I'm sure. Put him down. Thank you. If you did not raise your hand, Will you just look right here? If you did not raise your hand and you're not sure, I just want you to look right here. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. Just look right here. I just wonder, I just wonder, what will it take for you? There's several of you, several of you this morning. What will it take for you to say, you know what, that's what I want in my life. I want freedom. I want Jesus. I'm asking y'all right now, free gift. We're going to have some volunteers in the back that will talk to you. I'm just asking you right now if you'll just stand to your feet if that's what you want to do. I think if one of you do it, several of you would do it. Is anybody bold enough to say, Pastor Mark, more than I want anything else, I want freedom and hope in Jesus. Will any of you stand and say, that's what I want this morning? It takes boldness. I'm not going to lie. It takes boldness. But I'm just asking you right now, will you stand up to your feet and say, dude, that's what I want. I want Jesus. Will you stand up? Does anybody want that? Does anybody want to say, dude? I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. Would anybody be bold enough to be the first? Because there's several of you. I want, to, I want Jesus to be the Lord 
of my life. I'm willing to stand up with no one looking and say, that is what I want for my life. Would anybody do that? How about for everybody else? Everybody else. How many of you would say, dude, I'm struggling. I'm saved, but I'm struggling and I need Jesus to help me love because I am not showing love in my life. I just want to invite you to slip your hand up, not get up, not do anything. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. All around the room. Thank you. Will you stand with me as I pray? Stand with me. We're going to close with a couple songs that's talking about love, and it's awesome. Great songs. Hey, listen to me. Standing up does not make you saved. I want you all to know this. Standing up when I ask you to does not make you saved. Um, what makes you saved is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. John 10, or Romans 10 says you will be saved. If you want to get saved right now, you can slip out. It's not about some magical standing up, so you just slip out right now if that's what you want to do. Just let's leave here and be the church. And the church means not this gathering, but what you are in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me, God, as we go? Pray for the ones that you're working on their hearts and pulling at them and they have that uh, that deep pit of their stomach feeling that they know they should move. I pray that you will uh, just keep pulling them and drawing them till they say yes to you. And for every one of us in the room that are saved, God, will you help us show you in our lives so that when people see us, they see Jesus. We're so grateful that this is love, not that we loved you, but that you loved us and sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. Like 1 John 4.10 says, thank you, Jesus, for loving us first. We love you. Amen. Y'all sing with us.